You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. probably 2004, 2005 that I met a young man named Joey Longoria. He was about 25 years old. He was a graduate assistant basketball coach for uh, UTSA. And I met him in the hospital. He was at the Methodist Transplant Hospital. He was battling leukemia and had recently had a bone marrow transplant. And I love Joey. I love praying uh, over him, talking with him, trying to encourage him. Uh, he, his motto was, don't give up, and he was a kid that didn't give up. I mean, he was tough as nails. Well, sadly, after a two-and-a-half-year battle with leukemia, uh, he went on to be with the Lord. And it was during this time of visiting with Joey that I got to know his family, and especially his dad named Joe. And Joe would do anything for his son. He researched treatment. And he was a big advocate of trying to get anything possible to help his son get well. And as I thought about Joe and as I thought about uh, Joey, I, I thought about the story that we're looking at today. We're going to see a dad who's desperate to help his son get well. We don't have many details. We don't know what the son's name is. We don't know exactly the illness. We just know he has a high fever and that he's near death. We don't know the royal official's name. Uh, we just know that he's a desperate dad trying to get his son help. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 43, it says, At the end of two days, Jesus went to Galilee. Well, at the end of two days, what was the two days? Well, Jesus had been in Sychar this Samaritan village and a great revival had taken place many Samaritans came to believe in Jesus it says he himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown yet the Galileans welcomed him for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he had did there we're going to see that in this story in our text today that Jesus performs his second sign uh, here and the first sign was where he turned water to wine in Cana. If you look at verse 46, it says, As they traveled uh, through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he turned water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Caporium whose son was very sick. And when he had heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Caporium to heal his son, who was about to die. Now, the word translated official can mean little king or a member of the royal household. In some capacity, he served the king. Some scholars suspect or suggest that he was the household manager for Herod, or for Herod and his name would have been Cusa if that was the case. In Luke 8, 3, we read that Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, provided for Jesus and his disciples out of her own means. And the same, the same Joanna was among the women who went to anoint the body of Jesus with spices and found that the tomb was empty in Luke chapter 24, 10. And we don't know if this is the story of how Cusa and Joanna, Joanna came to have faith in Christ, but we do know that it's the story of a royal person, a member of a king's household, along with his entire uh, family, his entire household who, became, or who came to believe in Jesus. Well, we know that this is a man of means, he has power most likely, he has wealth, uh, but he has a great burden. His son is dying. 
And I know if you were in that situation, if your son or daughter was dying, you would do whatever you had to to help them. Well, evidently, this man, and he's, he's trying to figure out how he can help his son. And I picture him having the best doctors and, and just doing everything he can to help his son. And, and I think he probably comes to a spot that he feels helpless and he feels out of control. And, and somehow word of, word of Jesus and what he's doing has reached that royal household. And so this man takes a 20-mile journey and he goes to find Jesus and he says, Hey, Jesus, would you please come to my home and, and heal my son? And Jesus, in verse 48, says, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Basically, you came and you want something from me. You want to see me do signs and wonders. And, and actually, it's true. This man came and he wanted Jesus to come with him to heal his son. And, and many times, on Sundays or just in life, uh, people come and they say, God, would you please help me in some capacity? Would you heal my marriage? Would you help me with this illness? Would you fill up my bank account? You, you come desperate and you come at a very fragile time in your life. And even though some of you may not come with the best motives, sometimes God does something miraculous in your life. Even in those times that we're not always, we don't always have pure motives, God can still work. You know, we see in verse 49, it says, The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Jesus might have been rebuked him, but he's still on a mission. And, and I think he, in his mind, it was like, Jesus, you name the price. Whatever amount of money you want, I'll give it to you. If you want a new chariot, you name it. And you want some more clothes, I'll give you clothes. Whatever you want, just please come and heal my son. And you just kind of hear the desperation in this text. Just please, please. He, I, I think Jesus is his last hope that his son will get better. In verse 50, it says, Then Jesus told him, Go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Now notice the word believe. Go ahead and circle that, underline that. We see that in a lot in the book of John. It's a very important word, believe. And so we see here the gift of rejection. This man wanted Jesus to come home and heal his son. That's what he expected. That's what, that's what his mission was. And Jesus says, Nope, I'm not going home with you. But your son is going to live. But your son's going to live. How many times have we pled with, with Jesus, Lord, would you please do this or that in my life? And sometimes the answer is no, and we find out later that God had something far better planned in our life. Well, we see the wonderful authority of Jesus here. Hey, when he says something, it'll happen. Your sins are forgiven. And guess what? Your sins are forgiven. Your son will live, and we're going to find out in this story. The son does live. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And, and we see that Jesus speaks these wonderful words of grace. He says, Your son will live. And, and we, be, we see this man believed. He began to start his journey. Verse 51, it says, While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with news that his son was alive and well. Now remember, they didn't have phones back then. They were, he wouldn't have gotten a phone call. He wouldn't have gotten a text. He wouldn't have gotten an email. Says, hey, your son's alive. He, he's doing well. Hey, he wouldn't have gotten that. And so he starts his journey, and evidently he got delayed in some capacity. I don't know if he spent the night or what took place. But eventually the servants reach him and say, hey, your son is alive. Verse 52, it says, he asked them when the boy began to get better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. And all of a sudden, the man says, aha! Now, that's not what the text says, but that's kind of what's going on in my mind. 
The man says, oh, that was the exact same time that Jesus said that he would be healed. And I think he's amazed at Jesus's power and his authority to make that happen. Now, I want you to imagine if you were in that household and, and suddenly uh, this little boy has been uh, dying. I mean, everyone's around him. They're whispering. They, they have cold rags on him. And all of a sudden, the boy just starts feeling well. He gets up. He throws a, uh, down the cold rags. He gets up and picks up a basketball and starts playing. I mean, can you imagine the uproar, the rejoicing, the happiness? Can you imagine this little boy's mom? And so we, we see the father realizes at that very time that Jesus told him that his son would live. His son lived. And, and then if you keep on reading, it says he and his entire household believed in Jesus because of what Jesus did. He saw this miracle from 20 miles away that he just spoke and his son was alive. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. And so I, I love this text because I see this man's faith. Jesus said, hey, your son's going to live. And it says the man believed, even though he couldn't see it. He, he couldn't see it, but he believed. Reminds me of 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we live by believing, not by seeing, or we live by faith, not by sight. Hebrews 11, 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence uh, of things we cannot see. And then Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. Sometimes we come uh, before God knowing very little. Uh, we, we have very little faith. When we come out of desperation, we know that something's missing. And some of you might be watching today or listening today and, and you don't have a lot of faith. But you just know that you're supposed to, to be a part in some capacity. And Jesus says, I see you. I hear you. I know that you're there and I want to speak into your life. And though, even though you may have little faith or maybe you don't even have any faith, Jesus says, I know you and I'm willing to work in your life if you'll simply trust me. You know, here's the miraculous part of the story. Uh, with this boy, he's near death and his entire household ends up having eternal life. When we see this little boy, he's near death. And then we see this transformation. We see this whole household uh, have eternal life. So what does this story mean to us today? Uh, how do we apply it? It's a great story, but how do we apply it? Colin, minister, Colin Smith, a minister, writes, The story is not about having enough faith for a miracle. Sometimes people think, well, if I just have enough faith, I will get well. If I just have enough faith, my loved one will get well. If I just have enough faith, my bank account will get bigger. And there, there's some people who would teach, if you just, just believe a little bit more, if you just have a little bit more faith, that you'll be healthy and wealthy. And I got to tell you, that's not true. Just because you have more faith doesn't mean that you're going to be healthy and wealthy. Actually, the Bible promises us that we will face trials and tribulations, that we will go through hard times. And sometimes God works in miraculous ways and sometimes he doesn't. But here's the thing. I'm going to trust him in the good times and I'm going to trust him in the bad times. You know, the, when we look at miracles, which Jesus, does, Jesus can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. He, he can do, perform these signs anytime that he wants. But by definition, when we look at a miracle, and they don't normally happen. They don't normally happen. It's something that doesn't happen very often. It's out of the realm that we, we just don't imagine it happening. 
We've been in the series called I Wonder and, and, and just imagining, man, wow, that, that's unbelievable. That's hard for me to, to, to believe. Uh, that's not something that normally happens. Well, this sign right here, man, it's hard for us to kind of uh, process when we think about Jesus being able to heal someone from 20 miles away, to be able to do that. See, the story was written so that we could believe. It was able to show us Jesus' power and his authority. John tells us that the signs were given uh, for, for or they were to point toward Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 31. These were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and, my, and that by believing you may have life in his name. When Jesus does these signs, when he does these miracles, when he does these things that are amazing, they are there for a purpose. They're, they're there to point us toward Jesus. They're there to help us to have faith in Jesus, to realize that he has all authority and all power. You know, many people have faith. They have faith in all kinds of things. They have faith in themselves. They have faith in knowledge. They have faith in their doctors. They have faith in politics or uh, politicians. They, they have faith in their money. They have faith in their religion or science or you name it. And some of these things are good. Some people have faith in their relationships. But ultimately, our faith has to be in Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that's where our faith has to be. I can tell you, Jesus will not let you down. So let me leave you with two thoughts. Who or what do you put your faith in? In a world, in our culture, we're bombarded with all types of things to trust in. Well, ultimately, who are you trusting? And then secondly, consider how your faith can impact others this week and pray for opportunities to point others to God. Just imagine your faith, your faith story, the way that you've lived life. Just think that can have an impact on others. How you, when you're going through trials and tribulations, how you're handling that and how, and how you have faith in the midst of that, that actually can impact others. I, I, want, you to, or I want you to think about how your faith is impacting others.